Well, hello, and uh, thank you for uh, being a part of this today. We're kind of creating a little special space today to uh, talk in depth about the issue of life. Um, our nation's discussion around abortion has grown heated, and it's really upon uh, us as the church to be clear, not only about what Scripture teaches and where deception has crept into our culture, but what we are to do about it. Uh, it's one of those moments where, where it's upon us not only to know what we believe, but to kind of get a sense for what do I need to do as far as action. While our uh, pro-life stance as a church is, is pretty simple and straightforward, the reality of life is it's often quite messy, that life gets complex, life gets complicated. And so uh, it just in all humility, I wanted to acknowledge that as we start. We'll be discussing abortion today in occasionally graphic detail, and so I want to actually provide a warning here. So if that's not for you today, maybe you have uh, wounds that are still healing in this area, or it's uh, too sensitive of a topic for you or whoever might be listening or watching with you, uh, you can opt out here if you need to. And before we get any further, uh, maybe, maybe the most important thing we say in this whole uh, time that we're creating here today is we want to offer support for anyone who has been affected by or experienced abortion in the past. We want to offer support and hope for anybody who is currently in a season where you're making uh, a choice right now. You're not alone. The most important thing you need to hear is you're not alone. Not only are you not alone, but there are people who want to walk through the season with you. Uh, one in four women have experienced abortion. Over half of those would identify as Christians. And so there's no scarlet letter. There's no uh, sin that's uncommon to anyone else. There's no experience that someone else hasn't walked through. And so while it is uniquely difficult for each and every person who goes through it, what's common is there are other people who have been through this and would like to walk through it alongside you. Jesus wants to meet you in the hurt. Jesus wants to meet you in the middle of if there's shame or guilt. Jesus wants to meet you with mercy and grace, with hope and a future. Your identity is not in a past decision. Okay, I'll say it again. Your identity is not in a past decision any more than your identity is in a current predicament. Your identity is not in those things. There is practical and confidential help available to you today if you want that. Our friends and our partners at the Bowling Green Pregnancy Center have uh, a special ministry for those who have experienced abortion. It's called Renewed where uh, with resources and confidential help, they can walk through the recovery process and the healing process. Uh, the phone number, if you want to text them, it's a confidential text line. It's 567-331-0754. Again, that's 567-331-0754. They offer post-abortion support, counseling. That same line can connect you to current services. If you are experiencing uh, a pregnancy that is either uh, unexpected or even unwanted. Uh, you can connect with them, and they can help you walk through the options that are available to you. You can also email me if you feel comfortable with that. If that's something you'd rather do, you have something you want to talk about, you have a part of this issue that you want to work through, any support I can offer, any care I can offer, I'd love to do that as well. E you can email me at kyle at bgcovenant.org, and I'd love to walk through that with you if I can. This is for men and women. So while 
Um, clearly, women are the primary people affected, uh, partners, and the men and the husbands and the fathers, they are also affected. So we could connect you to support and resources. We're ready to walk through uh, your choice with you. So that being said, um, earlier this year, I uh, had to miss something that I like a lot. Earlier this year, I had to miss an annual trip that's really become special to me. Every year I get invited uh, to be in Colorado on a retreat with uh, this group of friends that is, is kind of a quirky, unique, uh, really special group of friends, authentic folks that uh, we spend a few days up in the mountains and we have uh, good food and fresh air and really cathartic, long conversations. And uh, it's a pretty profoundly important thing to me. And this year I had to miss it because the week of the retreat happened to be the week of my youngest child's birthday. So instead of mountain air, I stayed right here in our frozen swamp. That week, I just so happened to be invited to a few things, and I wasn't supposed to be here. I wouldn't normally be here. I would have been 1,300 miles away, but I got invited to a luncheon hosted by the Ohio Right to Life. It was just a pretty typical luncheon. These kind of things, when you're a pastor, you get invited to all kinds of things, and it's, it was uh, just equipping leaders on how to talk through the concepts of abortion, how to uh, equip your people to understand God's truth of certain things. And um, in that educational event, in that luncheon that I would have otherwise missed, they actually spent some time in a really interesting way informing uh, the people in the room about the tactics of the abortion advocates in our midst. And I, I don't really think much about that. I don't think we think much about that because we don't actually see that messaging very often. We have to go looking for it. The modern world and the algorithm, you get fed what you're kind of already looking for and something that either runs counter to your worldview or that you're not acutely looking for in that moment, you don't usually get fed that information. We get targeted ads, usually from Target or other such normal, everyday places. What I don't get is what I saw there, which was really interesting to me because it turns out what I, what I was shown wasn't some deep dive on the internet that they scrounged up. It's something that's been featured in the New York Times and The Guardian. It's, it was uh, on Yahoo News as a wildly viral popular photos showing the truth about abortion. Dr. Joan Fleischman, a family doctor in New York City, had posted, taken and posted these, uh, these photos of what she said are abortions, essentially, and the tissue that it gets removed in an abortion. She said they're otherwise undoctored and simply cleaned. We simply clean the blood off, but then we're just showing you what comes out. So in one particular photo of abortion tissue from a pregnancy terminated at nine weeks, the photo, it really just looks like a petri dish and a ruler with like if you took a cotton ball and spread it out in a petri dish. Harmless. And it was interesting to me because it, it looks just like what I've heard abortion advocates saying. A clump of cells or, or just a mass of tissue. From the 2021 Yahoo article, Dr. Fleischman said this, I quote, I did not remove anything. When I show it to them, she's referring to the patients, they're shocked and surprised and relieved to see it. 
The intent of the project, the taking of the photographs, was to give a clinical perspective, which we felt was missing. And it's important for people to understand that we're not talking about something highly developed at all. I was interested to see these things because hearing her say it, seeing that she has uh, reputable organizations, journalists uh, repeating it, it really did support this idea that at four weeks, five weeks, eight weeks, nine weeks, that it was a clump of cells or just a mass of tissue and not a baby, not, not a human. She says, I did the abortion. We did it with a certain procedure. I pulled it out. I put it on the Petri dish. Here's what it looks like. And so you can rest easy because the choice you made, she said to her patients, this is all that we removed. And she presents it plainly as fact. And, and it was sort of mind-blowing to me because she seems to present as if science is behind her, that the, she's a doctor with 25 years of experience. And, and I had never run across any of this information. I'd never seen these articles. I'd never seen these videos. I'd never seen these pictures. And that was on Wednesday that I went to that lunch. And it was Wednesday. I should have been in Colorado. So Wednesday, I go to that luncheon, and my head is spinning a little bit as I'm considering these things that have been brought to my attention that I just didn't know felt deceptive, but I didn't really know how to put a finger on it. It was just more information. Thursday, that was Wednesday. Thursday is actually my daughter's birthday. I woke up early uh, because I wanted to make sure I had her favorite donuts waiting for her when she came downstairs uh, as she woke up to get ready for school. It's a big day when it's your birthday and you're going to school because you're going to have cupcakes at school and people are going to make a big deal out of you. And so I wanted to be the first one to make a big deal out of her. I said, if I'm staying home for her birthday, I'm going to make a big deal. So I got her favorite donuts. They're Dunkin'. I know some people don't want to hear that, uh, but she's the right kind of kid. And so she knows that America runs on Dunkin'. Her favorite donuts are waiting for her on the counter. She's getting ready, giving her all the hugs. I'm making the most of it because in my head, I'm thinking, you know what? I, I would in some way rather be at this annual retreat. But God, you had me here for a reason and it's to make sure my daughter knows that she's my priority. So I'm going to be here for her. I thought that's why I was uh, staying home that week. She's getting ready for school. She is doing her last bits and pieces. My wife is going to take her and I'm getting ready to head off to work as well. About 8 a.m., I get a phone call. The nurse uh, is calling me, a nurse from the county hospital, from the emergency room at our local county hospital. And she just says, Pastor, would you be available to come see somebody at the hospital? To come provide comfort, to, to come be with someone who's just gone through something. I said, yeah, I mean, I live two minutes from there. I could be available. What, what are we talking about? And she said, the woman I've been... Um, with all morning is just miscarried. A perfectly formed 10-week-old baby. It clicked in my mind that I yesterday, Wednesday, had seen all of these photos, videos, of what was supposed to be a nine-week extraction of cells. And now God was inviting me up to the hospital to provide comfort and support for a grieving family who had just lost a 10-week-old. I grabbed a Bible and a devotional on grief so I'd have something to leave them. I took a deep breath, 
and I made the 90-second drive to the hospital. What awaited me there was a, a grieving mother, her family surrounding her, the father of the baby sitting next to her holding her hand, but he looked like he was in shock. And then the nurse brought out the baby. In a little crocheted pouch, somewhere between a turquoise and a sky blue, I won't forget it. In a little turquoise, sky blue, crocheted pouch was a perfectly formed 10-week baby. Into a pouch no bigger than the size that you might put uh, your glasses into was human life. Arms and legs and a mouth and a nose, unmistakably human and beautiful and tragic. There was no clump of cells. There was no tissue. There was a child that was fearfully and wonderfully made in that moment and in that morning. That child had been tragically lost. The child that was alive in the mother's womb just hours before was now the source of the mother's heartbreak. And he had a name. This perfectly formed baby in this delicate little pouch had a name because he was a boy, because you could tell. He wasn't cells, he wasn't tissue, he had a name. And I won't share it, because that's their story to tell, but I'll never forget it. Friends, I showed up, I, I read a psalm, Psalm 34. I prayed for comfort in the suffering. I told them how sorry I was for their loss uh, of their precious boy. I left them my phone number and that Bible and a grief devotional, and I said, please call me if I can be any help at all. They weren't going to call me in that moment. I could be no help at all. The thing that they were so excited about, this gift of God was gone. So I actually don't know if I helped at all that day. I don't know that I was any comfort. I don't know, I don't know that I did a whole lot of good. But I wasn't confused as to why I stayed home from Colorado. I wasn't confused as to why God would um, align the calendar in such a way that I would miss the thing I cared about so much only to be confronted with something that God cared about so much. I went home shell-shocked because what I'd heard about Wednesday that felt like a distant debate on Thursday became very personal, became very intimate, became very close, had, had colors and textures, had a name. The issue had become unavoidable. And so while I was supposed to be in Grand Lake, Colorado, God knew I needed to be in Bowling Green, Ohio. God gave me that moment with that grieving family and that little boy so he might give me the courage to speak to you clearly now. He wanted to give me his heart for the unborn. 
to make personal for me what had only been a little bit of an academic argument. Now, sure, I cared about it. I had clear beliefs in it. We've walked through abortions with people we love dearly, the difficult choices that have to be made. We've done these things, and those are heartbreaking things, and those are difficult things. But, but up until that point, they had been just at a distance. But to see firsthand what his scriptures meant when speaking of being knit together in a mother's womb was God's way of nudging me into a boldness that had previously escaped me. I will tell you that this boldness has previously escaped me. But I saw that little boy and I knew that there was something I needed to do. I took the rest of the day off that Thursday. I held my own daughter a little closer that night after we had celebrated her birthday because she was once a perfect 10-week-old pregnancy. She was once a child forming in my wife's womb, destined to grow into a spunky and talented and faithful and wonderful young woman. That baby and that crocheted pouch was a mass of tissue and a clump of cells in the same way that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in beauty with purpose. And today, it is legal in much of the world to legally end that life, to simply do away with what God has created. In our own state, the language that abortion advocates have presented and will continue to present to change our state's constitution would pave the way for abortion far beyond 10 weeks and in some cases all the way up until birth itself. For a spine to be snipped and a human baby created in the image of God to simply be erased. For a life to be ended. The baby boy had a name. So we have to ask ourselves, who gets to decide when a life is viable or when a life has value. For the unborn, for the mentally challenged, for the elderly or the physically diminished, who are we to decide when life is viable or valuable? Our own church statement of faith says this. The church believes that all human life is sacred and created by God in his image. Human life is of inestimable worth in all of its dimensions, including pre-born babies, the aged, the physically or mentally challenged, and every other stage or condition from conception through natural death. The church is therefore called to defend, protect, and value all human life beginning at conception. This is what we believe. This is what we believe that the Scripture teaches. This is what we believe is the heart of God. We root these beliefs in Genesis 1 and 2, that humanity is made in the image of God, that we carry God's signature. We carry God's imprint and God's image with us, that He made Himself in His image. He made us in His image to carry His image through the world. We root these beliefs in Psalm 139, I'll read a few verses here. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, woven together. You saw my unformed body and my days were written for me in advance of their even existing. We root these beliefs in the life of our Savior Jesus, who loved the children when the children were not to be paid attention to, who loved the vulnerable and the marginalized and especially the inconvenient. Jesus loved the vulnerable and the marginalized and the inconvenient. And I started this whole thing today by acknowledging that there are complexities and complications with everything that goes along with a topic as big as this. So when the abortion debate gets dragged into the weeds of this case and that scenario of of this peculiarity and that extremity, that doesn't serve us well. It doesn't mean those things don't get dealt with. They must get dealt with delicately and faithfully and in a God-honoring way. But it's for us to say those fringe cases are places that we would have to admit. We can't solve everything with a general principle. We can't get to every scenario in every case. But what we can do, what we can do is know what we believe, why we believe it, and then we can begin to put into action those beliefs so that the world might conform not to the image of the world, the world might conform to the image of its own creator, that our ways might look more like the ways of heaven, that in our land, we would begin to enact the will of God, and we would begin to bring forth the ways of heaven, because what we want more than anything is heaven. Heaven on earth, heaven in eternity. And if what we're after is what God created, then what we need to do is find ways to use our lives to protect what God created, to fight for what God created, to use our lives and our voices to lend support for that. So I want to give you a simple encouragement. When you have the chance to vote your values, when you have the chance to protect life, vote. Then let your actions back your words See, if we're going to be pro-life in the womb, we have to be actively pro-life in the world. We have to have the integrity to not only vote our values, but to live our values out. What does that mean? Locally, we have partners at the Bowling Green Pregnancy Center, Her Choice, and at The Nest, which provides uh, Christian childcare to women who have chosen to keep their children These are organizations that are led by strong women who serve as the front lines in our city of protecting 
and supporting the vulnerable women and children in our area. And so for us locally, not only are we going to vote when it's time to vote, and we're going to vote our values, but what does it look like to support these organizations? What does it look like to support these causes? What does it look like to get our hands invested where our hearts are already convinced? With our finances, with our time, our volunteer hours, with our families, with our prayer. So may the conviction of our hearts spread to our hands, not only in voting booths, but in the lives of those in our community who need it the most. This stuff is not easy. It's not simple. And it can get really messy. Life gets complicated. But if we prioritize life, if we love people sacrificially, if we live with integrity, if we not only vote our values but live our values out, we begin to see heaven on earth. We begin to see earth as it is in heaven. And we begin to live out the kingdom of heaven right here and now. We begin to live out the will of God here and now. And so this issue of abortion in our modern age, of of a pro-life stance from, from conception to natural death, this is an issue that I believe is more than an issue we need to fight about on cable news or front yard signs. It's actually an invitation and an opportunity that God is inviting us into His redeeming work if we would simply be willing to stand up and get to work. As we close, I want to offer one more time that there is hope and there is healing for you if you have been affected in any way by abortion. If you're currently dealing with an unplanned or unwanted pregnancy, there is hope for you. There is a future for you. If you have past wounds, we have hope for you and there is healing for you. There is grace and there is mercy and there are friends and resources to walk alongside the journey. That number one more time, if you wanted to text it and simply say, I need hope, is 567 331-0754. You can also email me, kyle at bgcovenant.org. If we can be a part of supporting you in your life, if we can be a part of supporting you as you protect life, if we can be a part of your healing journey, if those aren't choices you've made in the past, we want to be there for you. We want to walk with you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for the space in your heart and being open and willing to take this on. Thank you in advance for voting your values and thank you in advance for using your lives to protect the lives of the most vulnerable. God bless you.